Oh, man, I'm so glad you're here. It's so hard to believe that it is Christmas already. I mean, it just kind of snuck up on us, and we have been taking this journey um, for the last several weeks, and I so appreciate that you going on this journey with me. Um, I, I love Advent. I, I love the, the season and everything is about. And just as a reminder, um, we just remember that Advent is about the coming and stuff. It is this expectation that builds up in us. And I don't know if we always feel that anymore. I know as a little kid, there was always expectation coming up to Christmas. But as adults, we sometimes lose that. We lose that kind of excitement, like it's almost Christmas, it's almost Christmas, it's almost Christmas. And, and I think that's naturally built in us because of who came on Christmas. When Jesus came on Christmas, I mean, it's the definition of the season. It's everything. And so it's this hope and it is this joy and it is this love that we experience like no other time in the year, which is sad to me because I think it's something we can experience all year round, that we always should be looking forward, not only looking back to see that he came and what he did for us, but looking forward that he is coming again. Can you imagine that Christmas day? When everything will be good, everything will be great and stuff. And so I don't know about you, but I love Christmas movies. And we try to watch one at least once a night. Um, we go through and we see some of the classics and we see some of the new ones and stuff. Um, the Hallmark Channel, which you always know. I'm like, I don't want to spoil the plot for you, but they fall in love and everything turns out right. <laughs> Every Hallmark movie there is for Christmas and everything. But I, I like Christmas movies. But there's been a debate this year about a certain Christmas movie. And, and I kind of feel it is a Christmas movie, but I think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah, there we go. And so, and I know we don't we don't always consider like war or battle and stuff with Christmas and everything, but um, man, they do fit because back in 1914, in December of 1914, in World War One, an amazing thing happened. On Christmas Day, the Germans and the Brits they decided we're going to have a truce. So they came out of their ditches, they came out of their tunnels and their foxholes, and they sang carols together, and they actually there's reports that they played soccer with one another, and for just a short moment of time, peace came on this battlefield. And this morning, that's really what I want to talk about, is the peace that Christmas brings, that Christ brings to us, the, the peace that we all have. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have them, we have them available for you. They're spread out all around the church. Grab one. Um, if you like our Bible, put your name in it. Merry Christmas. It's a gift to you. Um, take it with you. If you'd rather use our Wi-Fi and you have an electronic device, then it's GBC Guest. You just type in the password, find more, and you can follow along there and everything. But as always and forever, these are the only words that matter. And these are the most important words that will be said this morning. Out of all the words that are said and everything that's sung, these are the only words that make any difference. And so out of respect for that and out of acknowledgement of the authority, I'm going to ask if you stand with me as this morning we read about the shepherds. In Luke 2, starting verse 8, it says, And in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in, high, in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to gather once again just to pause in all the busyness and the hecticness and the craziness of plans and shopping and preparing. God, just to be still and remember this is what Christmas is about. God, peace sounds like a great idea, but seems like such a foreign idea to so many people today. There's so much chaos going on. So God, today, this morning, right now, Father, would you just move in our hearts? Would you remind us and envelop us with the peace that only you can bring? God, I pray these words this morning would be yours, not mine. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to respond, that we would leave different, we would leave changed. God, not rushing and hectic and crazy, but God, we would leave with your peace once again. So God, have your way. Meet us where we're at. Move us from there. God, and do a work that only you can get credit for this morning. Bring revival this morning. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, I mean, peace sounds like a really good idea, and, and, and I love, this is one of my favorite stories um, at the Christmas time. Luke's, Luke's the one that gives us that, that, that picture of everything. But there's some things I want you to hear about peace. And I understand that for some of us, that is the farthest thing from your mind this morning. That there's stuff going on in your families, in your jobs, and, and there's stuff going on in your world that surrounds you that just seems very unpeaceful. And, and I want you to know that that peace that we're talking about is different from any other peace that anybody has ever talked about. And I really want to just dive into that this morning. But I want to do it by just starting with the story of the shepherds. And we all know the shepherds, and actually the shepherds in the story, and at this time, usually get a bad rap. You know, if you ever heard a sermon um, preached on this and stuff, usually we talk about the shepherds, like they were the lowest of society then. Like nobody wanted to hang out. They're the outcasts. They're the, they smelled. And, the, and we really don't know all of that. We know that they were at the bottom of kind of the food chain in this kind of economic place that is, is the Middle East at this time. That they weren't, they weren't the most revered people, which is kind of sad because in Israel, in, in Hebrew history, the shepherd was a big main part. You think about all the people throughout history, David and Abraham and all these people that are so important to the history of the Jews, that the shepherd was this huge thing. But for whatever reason, it kind of lost its luster throughout time. And, and what I love is that when Christ comes and peace restores and everything, it restores those things. And everything that Jesus kind of turned everything on its head when he showed up in the world. I mean, you just think about how he showed up. Here's the God of creation, the the God that created everything, that spoke everything in existence, puts flesh on. And he shows up in this little town that no one really cares about, no one even thinks about. And changes everything for it. As I said, the shepherds were the other end of this perspective. The, the, the you had kind of a status and, and kind of this picture, um, 
you know, I, I don't want to get too technical this morning, but it was really kind of looked kind of like a teardrop. If you looked at how society and status was set in the first century back when Jesus arrived and everything, you had kind of, you had the untouchables, the people that no one even talked to, those the sick, the lepers and everything, they weren't even considered human beings. And then you had kind of the poor and, and all this stuff, and that's the shepherds kind of the bottom of that little teardrop. And then, then as, as you go up, you have kind of the religious leaders. You have business people that are kind of respected. Then the religious leaders, man, they are way, way up there. With, and then the rulers and everything. And so you would think if you're going to make an announcement of this magnitude, if you're going to make some huge announcement about something that's going to change the world, wouldn't you go to like the most powerful people first? But that's not how God works, is it? Let, let, let's look at this again. In Luke chapter 2, look, look at what happens. Luke paints this beautiful picture. It's a normal night. There's nothing special about this night. There's nothing dramatic. It's probably a little chilly, a little cold. You know, shepherds are out there doing what they always do. They're just watching their sheep. And by the way, Bethlehem, those sheep that were raised in Bethlehem, it's very interesting. Those sheep had one purpose of being raised. They were raised to be sacrifices in the temple. Isn't that Interesting. But it says in verse 8, it says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at the night over their flock, as they always did. And then everything changes. In verse 9, Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I mean, I don't know about you, but if like I'm out in the middle of the night, if I'm standing outside and the sky just explodes in light, I'm ducking and covering, you know? I, you know, I, I'm going to freak out. It's not like normal and stuff, unless like Disney misfired their fireworks and they landed over my house, then that's something that might happen. But, but I mean, this is just this normal, ordinary night just explodes in light and, and we see the shepherds and of course they're terrified. What the, what's going on? What, what's happening? Why is the sky blowing? And, you know, we never talk about the sheep. I mean, if you know anything about sheep and, and we've read through scripture a lot of sheep or you know anybody that's had sheep, sheep aren't the smartest animals. Sheep, if you just go, boo, they run and they scatter. And so we don't know what the sheep are doing and everything. But all we know is that the sky explodes in the light. And, and maybe the sheep were just calm and tranquil. And they're just like, oh, pretty. Look, let's count the lights. I, I don't know. Or they scatter everywhere. But something amazing was happening. And it says, when the glory of the Lord shone all around them, they were terrified. But here's what the angel says in verse 10. Don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David was born for you who today in the city of David was born for you who is the Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, if it wasn't bad enough, there was just one. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts. When the Bible says multitude, it means they can't count. See, we have an entire book in here called Numbers. The Bible likes to count. And you imagine that it says a multitude. More than they could count of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. And the first thing I, I, I want you to hear and I want you to know is the status of your is not a measure of God's favor. When it comes to peace, when it comes to our relationship, when it comes to what God wants for us and, and desires for us, it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. God is not, the Bible even says God is not a respecter of persons, but he looks at the heart of the people. 
It doesn't matter if you're the richest, most powerful person on the planet or you are the lowest of the lowest of the lowest. It doesn't make any difference to God because he doesn't look at that stuff. And it's so funny because we do. I mean, if you know the Christmas story, you've heard the Christmas story. Later on, we hear about like the wise men showing up, right? And where do they go? The first place they go, they figure out like there's a new king born. Where do they go? They go to Herod's palace. They're like, hey, we're here to see this new king. And so Herod brings all his religious leaders together and says, where is this king supposed to be born? I don't like any threat to my, my, um, my throne and everything. By the way, just a, another little side note here that I thought was really interesting that I found out this week. Why was Herod so distraught and so worried about when the wise men showed up? Because those wise men were also known as kingmakers. They were from a sect of magi, a sect of like very wise people that came far from the east looking for a king to uproot Rome, looking for a king to uproot all that. And when they showed up, they were the ones that named who would be king over in the old Babylon and, and, and all that stuff. They were the ones that said they were on the point of king. So when he showed, when they showed up, Herod, of course, got a little nervous. But it's even more interesting to me that all his religious leaders looked at him and said, oh, it's supposed to be Bethlehem. And not one of them could walk just a few miles down the road to go see if this is true. The most powerful of the powerful didn't care. Because God's not, your status doesn't measure anything. These shepherds, God put his favor on them. And, and let's think about it. They received the message of peace. Is that what the angel said? He said, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. Can you imagine being a shepherd like God favors us? We're just shepherds. No one even talks to us anymore. No one hangs out with us. We just we sleep outside and we chase down smelly sheep that are going to die anyway. God favors us. I believe all my heart there's so many people living in this world today that's asking that same question. God favors me? Why me? And so the shepherds, they became, they got this message of peace. And it transformed them because they became messengers of peace. Because later on it says when, in, in verse 15, it says, And when the angel had left him and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. It was so transforming. It was so amazing for these shepherds. They couldn't keep it quiet. They couldn't keep it quiet. They, they had to tell everyone. And it was almost like at that moment, Jesus' birth kind of restored what it means being a shepherd. Because if you read later on in the New Testament, you hear about Jesus identifying himself as the good shepherd. God's peace restores us. Why? Because it's not the price of peace, it's the prince of peace has arrived. The prince of peace has arrived. In fact, in fact, when we get to peace and we talk about peace and, and, and all this stuff, it is the peace of wholeness that comes for us. 
It, it is a peace, uh, not, not calm, not settling, but a wholeness. In fact, that's, that's what it was meant in the Old Testament, the greeting that the Lord gave to the priest in, <coughs> in Numbers 6, 24 through 26. It says, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. This was the greeting that God said to the priest that they were to greet the people with all the time. That may the Lord look on favor of you and give you peace. It's beautiful. What it's called is shalom. It is, it, it is, it is the shalom. And, 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 and it is this powerful thing that doesn't just mean an end of hostilities, an end of, end of strife. It means a wholeness, a completeness that we get. And when we are trusting God and when we are experiencing all that God has for us, that's what we get is a wholeness, a completeness. I know so many people and I see so many people that all they walk around their entire lives feeling like I'm missing something. I'm missing something. I'm missing something. And I can tell you what it is. It is that relationship with your creator. See, I think the only way we are complete, the only way we are whole is when we come in communion, when we come in relationship with God. And the only way we do that is because Christ showed up on Christmas morn and entered our world. It is a peace of wholeness. It is the shalom of God. Isn't that beautiful? That's what we're talking about this morning. We're, we're not talking about everything going right from We're talking about a complete a wholeness that I can face anything and deal with anything because his peace sits with me. It's a peace that calms us in, in the midst of trials and craziness it is a, a sense of just calm that i know there's someone bigger than this i know there's something working out of this that i don't like maybe what's going on but i can understand that there's something bigger happening and, and, and it, it is a peace that calms it is a peace that can say it is well with my soul it's my favorite hymn of all time it's a beautiful hymn. Horatio Stafford actually wrote that hymn after he lost everything. I mean, literally lost everything. Fire burned his business. They were headed back to England. He put his wife and his kids on one boat. That boat sunk. He lost his family. He lost everything. And in the midst of that, he could write, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Because it is a peace that calms it is a peace that transcends all our understanding it is the peace that's what god offers that's what god gives us and not only that it was a peace foretold it's been a promise to us for hundreds and hundreds of years in fact that's what isaiah writes in isaiah 9 6 and 7 listen to this he says for a child will be born for us a son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders he will be named wonderful counselor mighty god eternal father prince of peace the dominion will be vast and his prosperity will never end he will reign on the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever the zeal of the lord of armies will accomplish this it is a peace foretold it is a promise that god says i am sending peace to you and what a thing to rest on 
And the very good news this morning is not only is it foretold, it is a peace that will be fulfilled. There will be a day when all wars will cease, when all chaos and all trials and all, all the horrible things that we see on the news will cease, that Christ will come back and he will rule and everything. And that, that's part of what Advent is. It's not only looking back and seeing that he came, but it's the promise that he's coming again and that when he comes, man, he will rule and it will all be set right. That's an amen. That's a peace we so desperately, desperately need. It's huge. And yet every year we sing the songs and then Christmas is over and the lights go down and the mess is picked up and the dishes are clean and we go back to worry and anxiety. Don't you know we have a God that has everything in control? That there's nothing that takes him by surprise. And that peace that he offers is a peace that we carry with us. Why? Because peace is a person. It's one of the things I love about this year as I've just been studying and preparing all these messages. I've been reminded that hope, we started with hope. Hope is a person. His name is Jesus. Joy and love are a person, and his name is Jesus. And peace is a person. It's, it's not a position. I, I think so often we get the idea, like, well, if I have enough savings, if I have a big enough retirement, if I have that buffer, you know, if I have the, the right church or the right friends and, and all this stuff, and, and I can position myself so that everything will work out and I can be all taken care of, that's peace. It's not a position because all that stuff can go like that. All that stuff just can vanish Ask people that deal with the stock market and how, like, how bad it was when all of a sudden things just dropped and everything lost. When the Great Depression, literally people were so much basing their peace on what they were making. When it crashed, they jumped out of buildings because they said, there's no hope. I'm done. We need to stop placing our peace and thinking our peace is our position or our status or our bank account or any of that stuff. None of that has to do with peace. Peace is a person, and it's Jesus. In fact, that's what Jesus said in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. It's a different kind of peace. When we place our trust in anything other than God, it's going to let us down. It's going to fail. It's going to miss the mark. Jesus says, no, I'm going to give you my peace. Not like the world gives you. Because peace in the world is considered on relationships. Peace in the world is considered on circumstances. Peace in the world is considered on what you have and, and what you can gather and what you can get. My peace is, doesn't matter about any of that stuff. My peace I give to you. And it doesn't matter what you face. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Because my peace is me. It's, it's not a title. It's, it's, not, it's not even security. It's his presence. Can I ask you something this morning? Are you, how, how are you dealing with Christmas? Is it hectic? Is it kind of crazy? How are you doing with your life? Is, is everything going on? It's like, man, I don't feel peaceful at all. I feel agitated. I feel anxious. I feel worried. I feel all kinds of stuff. I don't know what's going to come in the new year. I don't know everything. 
I put to you this morning that if you are struggling with peace, then you are struggling with his presence in your life. Because peace is a person. It's his presence in our life on a daily basis. Paul later on writes this in Ephesians 2. He says, For he is our peace, who made both groups one, and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. He made of no effect of the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulation, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God and one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. Do you understand that when Christ came, and when we accept that, and when we understand our need for salvation, our need that we are all sinners, and there's only one Savior, and when we come and accept that and start living that, that God has made peace through Christ with him and with others. That we should be the most peaceful people of all people on the planet if we know him. The Bible says before we knew him, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were the enemies of God, God set in motion this plan to reconcile us back to him. Peace with our creator. Because we are the ones that declared war on him way back when, when we said, God, I'd rather do it my way, not your way. We're the ones that cause strife. We're the ones that cause division with him. And God says, I'm bringing you back and you're going to have peace with me. But you're also going to have peace with others because now we are tied and combined by that one thing. And that one thing only is that we all need a savior and it's Jesus. And that's the thing that ties us all together. I'm not talking about, hey, let's agree to disagree. I'm talking about that we as the body of Christ are now one. And because of what Christ did and because he came, we have peace with God and we should have peace with one another. It doesn't mean we agree. It doesn't mean we all do the same thing the same way. But it means that there's a tie that binds us and it's Jesus. And because of that, because of this person that is peace, the prince of peace himself, we are made whole. We have shalom with God and with each other. And we should. But in the midst of that, there's storms, aren't there? Life isn't always easy. Life isn't always pleasant. Life isn't always peaceful. That there are storms that, that, that enter our life. There's storms that, that kind of come in. Again, I'm going to ask you, how's Christmas going for you? Does it feel peaceful? Or does it feel a little hectic? Does it feel a little crazy? Does it feel like things are kind of getting out of control and you don't know what's going to happen? This is a peace that transforms us. Because when those storms come, and they will, I promise you, Jesus even told us, in your life you'll have trouble. But I've overcome the world, Jesus says. And so those storms are going to come and, and, and they're going to take havoc and they can take forms in relationships or finances or, or just an upheaval of everything or an unsuredness of where you're going to go or what you're going to do next or where you're supposed to be and just all that stuff. The storms come, but I get it. I want you, if you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to know that Jesus meets us right in the middle of the storms. Turn over to Mark 4. 
Mark 4, this is a very familiar story. If you've been at church or any Sunday school or any VBS, you've probably heard the story over and over again. But I want you just to go back and let's be reminded. The, the whole picture is that Jesus and the disciples, they were working, they were doing stuff, and they were ministering to people, and they were exhausted. Jesus says, hey, let's go to the other side of the sea. Let's just cross over. And if you don't know this, most of his disciples were fishermen. Very, very familiar with the sea, very familiar with the water. This is where the, this was their workplace and everything. Look at verse 37. And it says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that, so that the boat was already being swamped. And he, Jesus, was in the stern sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care? We're going to die. How bad was this storm? That fishermen that knew that lake and probably had been through all kinds of storm were so afraid that they looked at Jesus and said, we're going to die. I mean, you had Matthew, the tax collector. He was probably already freaking out. But Peter and John and those guys, they'd been on that lake before. How bad was that storm? And it's just crashing. And what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping in the back. <laughs> I love that. Maybe it was the rocking motion. I don't know what it was, but he was just he was he was asleep. Don't you care that we're going to die? And then verse 30, 39, it says, He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. And the, we, the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Isn't that how we feel sometimes? When everything starts going crazy and everything? Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that my family's struggling? Don't you care that, man, we're struggling financially? Don't you care that this is happening or that's happening? And don't you care? I'm drowning here. Don't I, I'm just treading water. Don't you care? And we think that he's just asleep in our lives, but the fact is, is he knows exactly what's going on in the storms, and he meets us right in the middle of those storms. And all it takes is one word from him, and it will all cease. But the truth is, is sometimes he does calm the storm. Sometimes he just comes in and says, "Boom! It's dead. It's done." Most of the time, what he does is he calms us. Most of the time, he reminds us of how he's been faithful in the past. I mean, can you tell me a time where God has let you down? Honestly. I know there's some people say, well, will this happen or that happen or, you know, God let me down. You're believing in a much smaller God than actually exists. God always meets us in the storms. No matter what's there, he's right there waiting for us. Do you think for a moment that that boat would have sank with Jesus sitting in it? If they never woke him up. Do you think they would have all just drowned and died? Because if they did, and that's the end of the New Testament. Do you think for a moment that storm took Jesus by surprise or he was worried about it? He meets us in our storms. And yeah, sometimes he will calm the storms. Most of the times I've found that he just calms me. That's the peace we're, we're, we're talking about. That's what Paul talks about in Philippians. He says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts 
and minds in Christ Jesus. The fact of the matter is, is when we spend time with God, the more time we spend with him, the more time we're in his word, the more time we're praying and letting him know everything, even though he knows it all, but we're speaking it out. God, I'm struggling with this. I'm hurting with this. I'm worried about this. All that stuff. The more we do that, God shows up. And the peace that we can't even understand why we would have peace in this situation fills us. I love that it says we'll guard your hearts and minds because my heart, man, my heart belongs to Jesus, but it's my thoughts that all often betray me. I think this is why Paul also talks later on in in Scripture. He says, take every thought captive. It's literally the picture of grabbing that thought, that bad thought, that worry, that anxiety, and squeezing the life out of it. Knowing that our God is bigger, our God is faithful. And the peace that he offers and the peace that he gives us is the peace we can have every single day in every circumstance and in every situation. It is that peace that Christmas brings. We don't have to worry. And that's, I got, I'll be honest with you, it's the hardest thing for me. Ask my wife. I'm a worry wart. I worry about everything. I worry about, like, man, is it too hot in here? Is it warm? Do we have enough lights, those candles? I'm going to catch fire. In the I worry about everything. I worry about crazy. I make up stuff to worry about. <laughs> I'm driving on I-4, and one my, this week one of my managers says, hey, I've got to see you. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get fired. Man, what did I do? What did, everything. I walk in, and he's like, hey, you've been here a year. We're going to celebrate you. Thank you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Any, nothing else? You know? we, I, most, I don't know if you're like that with me. And so I have to constantly in my head just keep saying over and over, God, you're bigger, you're stronger. There's nothing you can't handle. And I have to remind myself. And that peace just flows. I mean, that's, I pray that every day I walk into Universal. I'm, I'm at Universal New Year's Eve night till 3 a.m. Believe me, I've already started praying for peace now. <laughs> God, may your peace just fill me because it's going to be insane. But we can do that. And can I tell you something? It is a testimony to God in your life when you walk through the storms in peace. I've seen people on their deathbed that are just so peaceful and people are like, I don't understand why everyone's so calm and everything. Because it is the peace of God. It is the shalom of God, the wholeness that fills us. Thomas Watson says this. He says, if God be our God, he will give us peace in trouble. When there is a storm without, he will make peace within. The world can create trouble and peace, but God can create peace in trouble. Are you experiencing the peace, the prince of peace, the person of peace this Christmas? I hope so. Because it is a peace that transcends everything. It is a peace that no one else can explain, not even you or me. But it is his presence in our life. And if you're not experiencing him, then let's talk about it. Because it's available. Just like all these other things, hope, love, and joy. I believe peace is something we can give away or we can hold on dearly. And I don't know about you, of all that's going on on this planet, everything that's happening in our world, I choose to hold on to peace. I choose to hold on to Jesus. Knowing that in the end, 
he's going to work it all out. That's the message of Christmas. My prayer for you and for me is simply this. Paul wrote, put it this way in 2 Thessalonians. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace always. In every way, the Lord be with all of you. In every way. May you know the peace that transcends all understanding this Christmas and every day after. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning once again.